0: Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2006. This is Bill talking about Step 9. My name is Bill, I'm an alcoholic and I'm sober today through AA and the grace of God is understanding. I remember when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous the first day in 1960. I looked out and saw all these beady eyes staring at me and I nearly died <laughs> I had never looked people in the, in the eyes all my life and uh, it petrified me but uh, I've improved a bit over the years, I came in by train which I haven't travelled on for 30 so years today and uh, it was like another world uh, you know, I thought my God, there was uh, young people two young people got on in the Seat in front of me, and they had a big bag with a big radio in it, and they had a twin plugs in the ears, and it went. And I thought, my God, where have I been hiding all these years? <laughs> it's. Um, I was listening to a tape last night, many years ago, in the Scoresby Steps Group. We. We did a series and, uh, and and put it put put it on tape. And um, I, was, I was talking on step nine uh, in that particular uh, that particular series. And I, was list- I listened to it last night to give myself some inspiration. And, uh, and uh, I thought, my God, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Humility not one of my failings I the afraid. It's, uh, I, I remember to go back to the beginning. There was a meeting that I went to very early in the piece at uh, a Dandy, you know, and it was it, it was in a, held in a recabite hall. recabites I believe, are uh, some religious uh, people that uh, that uh, that um, swear off alcohol for the rest of their lives. You know, like a lot of alcoholics coming into AA, and. Uh, there was a chap there that particular night, and he, he got up and he spoke about um, the, big, the big firm that he worked for. He'd knocked off about 20,000 bucks. And uh, he was piddly uh, uh, when, he, when he was talking, and he rambled on for about a half an hour. And he said that there's no way in the world that he could ever pay that money back. And uh, after the after the after the meeting, they they followed they followed him home because he was pretty drunk. And uh, they, they they just caught him on a rail crossing with a train coming. I never ever saw that man again. And those are the things that were in my mind, you know, relevant to the uh, the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was it was recover or die. I got to the stage where I, where I was uh, a double barrel shotgun on the mouth I couldn't stand me anymore the first thing that I ever did relevant to this particular step I worked at uh, Port Albert many years ago and uh, uh, I borrowed ten pound when I left a particular firm uh, well there's only two of us three of us or something like that and uh, this man was a millionaire and um, I remembered I'd always remembered that particular thing that just lousy ten pounds and uh, I wrote a beautiful I was always a very very good writer uh, I did well at uh, English in school and I wrote a great flowing letter about how I'd changed and found to organisation that suggested I pay back money that uh, that I owed and style and all the rest of it. and uh, I, I put my name and address very, very clearly up on the top uh, and I sent him this letter and I thought with all the bloody money he's got he'll send this ten pound back. But uh, I, real, I realised that that's not exactly what this step means. <laughs> Uh, the second thing it was only a small thing that I did Uh, I worked in Box Hill and um, there was a chap there that I never got on with at all and uh, I was always arguing the point with him and I'd heard uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous in those early years that an apology can keep you sober one day and uh, I went I wasn't travelling too well and I went back and I apologised to this man. And he broke down and cried. I thought, good God, how bloody weak can you get? <laughs> I came from North Melbourne, you know, cry. I'd never cried in my life. I'd been all my life, uh, I've been a thief. I thieved every conceivable thing that wasn't tied down. Uh, I thieved from my mother, my father, and I thieved from my wife. Um, she would come she would um, I used to I used to pretend I was drunk and watch where she put a purse and, and, and I'd knock off ten pound out of it or ten ten dollars or whatever it happened to be at that point in time and she would go to work and come home and she'd say she'd say you didn't touch any money out of my purse did you I said no no I said it's probably not even mongrels where you work but uh I was in the navy, and uh, I remember I was, I was on locker duty one night, and uh, a chap came along. I used to I used to go through all the lockers myself, pinching the cigarettes and money if they had money or watches or whatever it was. That's where I came from around North Melbourne. You had you had to do those things to exist. Well, I don't know whether he had to do them, but I did them. And uh, this particular chap was was. Um, he said, what about, what about, what, what we coming for a run tonight? And I said, oh no, I'm on duty. And he said, look, he said, uh, he said, I know a house, he said, we can break into. And, um, I said, I've never done anything like that before. And he said, well, uh, it's, it's my game. And we went out into the suburbs somewhere, I forget where it was. And we broke into this house and, uh, got jewelry, money. And, uh, we came back out of it. And, uh, he wanted to give me some of the jewellery. And I'd have read a lot of books, you know, and I was far too bloody smart or anything like that. I said, you give me the money and you take the jewellery. And, uh, I came back to the, come back to the, uh, to the depot and, uh, and, uh, in a short period of time they, they, they were checking up on two matelows that had been seen in that area and uh, he, he got caught he tried to hop the, the jewelry and I didn't get caught you know I, I was one of those smart asses and uh, it was that was part and parcel of my life I, I thieved all, all the way along the line. And I remember. Later on I was, I was in the RAAF and um, I would pass some particular place out in the suburb somewhere and there was a push bike in the in, in a drive and uh, I just pulled up and walked into the drive picked up the push push bike and put it in the back of the van it uh, it uh, and I used to use that push bike uh, out at, uh, out at Leverton, uh because it used to get me to the booze when we knocked off I and mean, I'd lock quicker than anybody else. And uh, I remember after a period of time uh, some thieving mongrel knocked it off. <laughs> I thought, you know, my thinking was a bit strange because you can never trust anybody. The other thing, one of the major things that, uh, that, that, that uh, I had done while I was in the odd, I believe, at Labrador, I had stolen a suitcase with, uh, with a uh, chap's clothes, all his clothes. He had tennis banners, and God only knows what things that were precious to him. And uh, there was a little sewing bag in it uh, with, his, with his unit number on it. And somehow that that particular that particular uh, bag followed me around all the different dumps and places that I that I lived in, and uh, everywhere it seemed to turn up. I never ever threw it away. And uh, I had joined the Catholic Church, and the, the the priest at that point in time he had been an officer in the O.W.A. and uh, I took this thing back with a number on it and I asked him could he do something about it and he, he rang Canberra and they, uh, eventually, they eventually got onto this fellow he lived in Melbourne and uh, I got his number and I rang him I said I'd like to see you uh, relevant to the suitcase that you lost when you were in the IAAA and he gave me a time to come down and see him and I went down there, and uh, I had to sit in the lounge. He was in the bath, and I was shaking like a ruddy leaf and was sitting on the lounge. and uh, He came out, and I explained to him that uh, I was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, that I'd stolen his suitcase and all the stuff in it. And uh, I said, it's, I've got to make amends for these particular type of things, this organisation that I'm in. And I said, could you give me some sort of... Uh, Idea about the money that would be concerned here but I wasn't earning very very much money at this point in time and uh, we settled for a certain amount on on a weekly basis and uh, I paid that back I think it took 12 months to to, to pay that money back and uh, I sent him a Christmas card and he sent me a Christmas card thanking me that was one of the major things that uh, you know that, that that I had I had done in, in the beginning, and uh, all my life I, I was a compulsive liar. I bought a um, uh, I bought a car from uh, from Box Hill in those early days. Uh, it was a, this 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 particular man was it was it was a, uh, a car trader. He was a wonderful man, he was well known around Alcoholics Anonymous at that point in time, too. And I bought this beautiful little uh, little uh, uh, vehicle, uh, the first thing that I'd ever paid cash for in my life. I never ever had any cash. I spent it on gambling and wine, women, and so on. And uh, I paid cash for this thing. And I had a big DeSoto. Uh, my wife used to drive this big DeSoto. I came I came, we came home and I hit one of the main intersections and I smashed into a car. And, uh, there was about five or six people in it and I turned it over. And I thought the end of the ruddy world had come. And uh, at, at any rate, um, I, 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 I eventually came home, gave them all the information, all the rest of it, and came home. The place where I worked in Tree Gully at that point in time, um, there was the insurance agent uh, for my particular vehicle he was a friend of the of the bosses there and uh, he said to me at that point in time did you have the other vehicle on the road uh, at this time of the smash and uh, I said yes And he said, well, you'll have to forget about that because we we can't cover you with insurance. There's something I learned from this too, if you're ever in trouble, go to the experts. At any rate, he said, all right, I'll I'll take it back. I'll take it back to the insurance and see what they do. And my God, I prayed about that because I could have been gone for a fortune. I had no money. No precious little. And uh I, I refused I refused to tell a lie. And um, after a couple of weeks he came back and he said we have accepted it. And I thought God there's something strange about this program, this 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 business. I went to court over it. Um I, I went back a couple of weeks to, to draw up the the, the the place where the smash was and, uh, and there was lights on it. There hadn't been lights. Uh, I didn't think there had been lights. And this mongrel, big bloody copper, he was, he was uh, he, he'd was he blasted me and whatever. And when I got to court, he was as nice as pie. And uh, it eventuated that they, they uh, that, uh, you know, when I got up to speak uh, about it, I said that uh, They had lights on that, and I said, he must have come through on on, on the wrong lights. And uh, at any rate, after, they they fined me 25 25 pounds or something. And afterwards, when I came out, I was speaking speaking to the copper, and he said, do you know, he said, don't ever put those lights on until after your accident. (laughs) And I truthfully thought that those lights were there the miracles that had happened to me over the time that, uh, that i uh, have been sober. The priest, the priest uh, I had joined the Catholic Church as I said and uh, because I'd been a thief all my life Uh, I had misappropriated a lot of money, uh, stolen a lot of money over the years. And uh, because my wife was involved to some degree in this, uh, I asked him what I I could do about it. And he said, well, the the best thing that you can do, he said, because it, it involves your wife and calls her, you know, paying, is to pay whatever you think you should be paying to a child or organisation. I never had a great deal of schooling. and I prayed to I, I began to pay into, into 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 a building fund, into a school fund. I thought at least it'll help somebody to get some sort of education. And I began to I began to do that and uh, it was only, you know, three or four bucks I think a week. As my money increased over the years, I increased that. And uh, I think it was 20 years later that I woke up one morning and the full realisation hit me like a ton of bricks. Thank God I paid that money back. I don't know what it was, about 20000 bucks or something like that a tremendous relief because I'd heard around AA be thorough at this step because if you cling to things and hide it somewhere along the line and I'd seen it too with long sobriety they'd, they'd hidden this stuff within themselves and hadn't revealed it and hadn't done anything about it and they'd gone back on the booze and that's exactly where I did not want to go I'd found this I'd found Alcoholics Anonymous and I was willing to go to any conceivable lengths even if I had to go back to jail the bashings and the robberies and uh, all, all of those things that uh, I had been a womanizer I was a womanizer even when I was married uh, when I was in the Navy uh, I was the cause of women being pregnant and it meant nothing to me absolutely nothing I had no morality at all I sat down one day thinking about this and I prayed about it. And, uh, I thought I've got to tell her about, uh, my philanderings with women. I've got to get it off my mind, not offload it onto her, because I thought a lot about it, and uh, I prayed a lot about it. And uh, I sat down and I told her about this particular, these, the, the, different women that I had been involved with. I didn't mention any names or anything like that. She wanted to know names and I never told her. And uh, things froze over, I can tell you my God they froze over for quite some period of time. <laughs> but uh, it was the beginning of complete trust because I promised from that point that I, I would never do anything like that again. I I said, you know, and I re- I, I realised afterwards that the uh, the um, the part and parcel of this programme uh, later on um, I sponsored a lot of women in IA. There was there, was there was there wasn't a lot of uh, sponsors for women at that particular point in time and uh, I started uh, to turn up with these attractive young alcoholics uh, and, uh, and the older ones too um, in my home and in the lounge for hours and then going through the ruddy steps and got in there knows what my wife was delighted I can tell you that <laughs> the, the trust that i had created you know was on a on knife edge it, uh, it, part, it was for me it was part and parcel of, uh, of, of making amends the harm that I had done women over the years. I was able up and as, uh, to, 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 make, to, to make amends in my mind, at least, for those faces way back here. Those faces, and there were hundreds and thousands of them. People that I'd bashed and, uh, and, and stolen from and, and destroyed mentally and physically. It was, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's been a tremendous journey for me. Um... But it's it's been one for me, it's it's been one of the greatest journeys that I've ever been on. I could not have made where I have made today. I'm 78 years of of age, I'm still working, I've still got business. I don't, uh, you know, I used to jokingly say to some of the customers that rang up, they said, you're still going, Bill. And I said, yeah, another 10 years, i am going to give it up, you can't keep going forever. You know, you've got to develop a sense of (laughs) humour. You can laugh, you know. One of the wonderful things about Alcoholics Anonymous is that we can laugh at ourselves. Thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne Alcoholics Anonymous Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.